Sure. Forrest Gump and Pulp Fiction came out in 1994, but there's like 300 other movies that happened that year as well, and we're going to talk about some of them. It's the movies of 1994, next. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Well, hello listener, welcome to another triumphant episode of the Magnificently Huge podcast. This is Chris, I'll be the airsat's master of ceremonies on this episode about the movies of 1994, accompanied as always by Brian Don't Call Me Riker Kruger and Steak Eric Reed. Regular listeners have pointed out to us that we do a lot of shows about the 80s, and I mean a lot, uh, to the point that we've even got a whole page on our website, maghuge.com, dedicated to our 80s shows entirely. Uh, you should totally go check it out, by the way. Uh, but because we've ignored pretty much 99% of recorded human history up to this point, today's show is going to change things up a bit and take us to uh, another decade, the 1990s. Yes, it's the completely arbitrary year of 1994. Uh, if 80s minutiae is imprinted on our brains, it's solely because we were, we were adolescents then, when everything was fresh and new and exciting. Uh, but by the early 90s, we had all become fully developed Gen Xers, we had a pathological sense of irony and a scorching case of apathy. Uh, so when 1994 became our topic this week, we all sort of just scratched our heads, uh, tried to recall any movie from that year. Uh, so after a quick Google search, we were stunned by how many now iconic titles have made their way into our cultural shorthand that were released in that year. Forrest Gump, Pulp Fiction, The Lion King, and we're not going to talk about any of those really because uh, as I noted, irony and apathy are kind of our bag. Instead, we each rate our top fives for 94, and what we think is a much more diverse array of films that were released that year than the uh, top tens. So sit back and enjoy, because life is like a podcast, you never know what you're gonna get. Please visit us over at maghuge.com, you'll find all our shows, links, and other fun stuff there. Uh, if you're looking for podcasts in general, head over to iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher. Do a solid like or subscribe to our show. Rate us five stars. Share us with everyone you know there. We would appreciate that. Uh, or head over to our social feeds. We've got at MagHuge on Twitter. We've got Magnificently Huge on Facebook. Follow our pages there. Uh, you'll get show updates and more uh, when we post them. And while you're there, just please share us with your friends and family. Uh, heck, you can even... Post your show requests and other feedback for us, and we will certainly respond. Uh, or send that directly to magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from folks. We love new show ideas. So thanks for listening. We know you got a plethora of podcast choices, and this is one of them. So without further ado, set the way back machine to 1994. And we're back again. Hey, y'all. As always. Back once again, Beck is the incredible. <laughs> the rhyme animal. The young cannibal. I got hey, hip hop Public enemy number one. Five O said freeze. And I got numb. But could I tell him that I never really had a gun? But nobody? Nobody else is? Ooh, okay. Sorry. You're so white. I got. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm intimidated. You got more rhymes than Jamaica's got mangoes. 
I'm just going to put it out there. How <laughs> was everybody today? This is Chris, your host for the day. And uh, Hi, Chris. Say hello, everybody, and introduce yourselves. Hello, everybody. I'm Brian. Hello, Brian. Eric. <laughs> so enthusiastic. How's everybody this week? You know, after last week's show where I, I, I swear, I don't know what the hell I was on. I was just, bah! when we were listening to it, I thought, God, shut up. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> oh, for, uh, and for I Superman? Think doing this show at, yeah, I think that doing this show at 11 in the morning is really going to help change that. <laughs> you, you, your energy level. Is this when you normally get up? On a weekend, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Wow. My body won't let me sleep <laughs> yeah, that no late. Shit. My, my cat won't let me sleep that late. Really? 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 That sucks. Really. So, I'm a, I'm a morning person now. <laughs> wow. So, wow. well, I live a responsible life on the weekends. Wow. <laughs> well, uh, enough with the damn pleasantries. Who wants to talk some fresh shit? This shit is fresh. All right, go, Eric. I've been watching a, a Netflix documentary series called Explained, mm-hmm. which is really. Oh, is that the uh, box? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's really great. And. Uh, a lot of things on there I didn't know were mysteries that needed to be explained, like the exclamation point. But they're well done. They're they're good. If you like documentaries, and I do, they're great. <laughs> Wait a minute. There's a whole show the about the, who inv- the exclamation yeah, who invented the exclamation. That's like that Austin Powers joke. He would say things outrageous things. My father would womanize. He would drink. He would make outrageous claims like he invented the question mark. <laughs> is it like that? No, this is uh, um, like, how do you use it properly? Why is it misunderstood so easily? Okay. Things like, apparently, if a guy uses an exclamation point in a work email, it's it's okay. If a woman does it, it's considered unprofessional. What? Yeah. Well, they did some kind of quiz uh, or they asked people, I guess. Well, but you know, boys will be boys. There's one on if K-pop. Uh, for, <laughs> for those of you who don't understand K-pop, like I, I didn't understand K-pop. Um, you don't listen to K-pop? Mm-mm. Do they actually have, like, I go to the Korean barbecue restaurant, they're playing K-pop videos on the TVs in there, and I swear that there's, like, a conveyor belt running through this warehouse, and they just bring each of these K-pop bands into the same warehouse and shoot the same video. Yeah, they are pretty similar. (laughs) Nancy's a big fan of the K-pop just because of its uh, weird pseudo-kitsch value, because it's really bright, it's really shiny, uh, and it all sounds happy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they go into the history of it and how people are really into it. And yeah, it's like a lot of neat stuff. But there's two. I started with two specifically. Okay. The first was on the water crisis and how we're running out of water. And mm-hmm. on the pay gap between men and women. And I, I, I watched these two and I got so pissed off because once again... These problems are caused by having kids, and nobody ever wants to address that. (laughs) You're not wrong. If we didn't have so many people, we wouldn't be running through our water the way we are. And 
you know, everyone's talking about how, well, this isn't like, you know, 40 years ago where our population was so much lower and we could go through our water however we wanted to. Now we need to conserve. No, now we need condoms. Now we need fewer people because if we're exponentially growing, all the saving of water we do now won't mean shit in 50 years. Uh, and and as for the pay gap bit, they said that is the studies have shown this isn't because of um, overt sexism. And I don't like women, so I'm not going to pay them as much. It's that women have babies and so they're not in the office and they don't have as regular uh, opportunities to get assignments and, and things that that help them advance their career. Right. So. Mm. that's it and one of the solutions they came up with for this in iceland was they had uh i guess use it or lose it paternity time so men were really encouraged to go home and so that sort of evened it out and i'm like yeah except all the people who don't have any kids are kicking both of your asses because we don't have any time to take off and i wish someone would address this having a kid is a luxury item so could they approach it like uh, smoking breaks at work? Because for people like me that don't smoke, I would always get really irritated at the people that would spend about 40 minutes a day uh, smoking away yeah, from work. Yeah, but if they were getting paid like, you know, 20 to 30 cents less per dollar than you were because they were having a smoking break, you'd be having a parade after work at a how much better you were doing. Well, to be right? fair, they're all going to get cancer and die anyway. So I guess I'm one up. Yeah, but they're right? also going right? to, in, in this analogy, all the parents are going to get their cars totaled by their sons. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Oh, that's a long setup for one it. cheap shot. Flip nice. the script. Um, <sighs> yeah, so it's a, good, it's a good series, and it is yet again giving me the impetus to write the book I've been wanting to write for so long, 200 Reasons Not to Have Kids. It's gonna be gonna be kind of a picture book of really I've, sort of horrible pictures of what it's like to be a parent next to a paragraph on. And here's another reason: the idea being, I want I want people who walk into the Hallmark greeting cards to pick up this thing to get the idea and not have kids. As a parent, I'm so happy to write the foreword to that book. Really. <laughs> that's 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 another thing. I, I I always say this: all my friends who have kids, not one of them says, "Oh no, no, you're missing out. This is the best thing ever." <laughs> you know. Uh, Join the call. Join the call. One of us uh, explained. There you go. We've just been yes. e- right. explained. Explained. That's right. <laughs> Man's framed by an E. I get it. Bitch. Uh, Chip. What else you got, Eric? Is that it? Um, I've been listening to, because it's the 20th anniversary of Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, the soundtrack for that. They the, the movie soundtrack is still the best. But I discovered that on Amazon Prime, you can listen to the original Broadway recording as well, which sounds about the same because it's still... Oh, I wish I knew his name right off the top of my fingers, the guy who wrote it. But um, I know there's a Jonathan in a three-name name. Anyway. It's like John Cameron Mitchell, I think. Thank you, John Cameron Mitchell. If we can just edit that so I sound smart and not not having (laughs) an old man brain fart. Oh, but one of the other soundtracks is the Neil Patrick Harris one. He's really good. Six inches for the 
forgot Doogie did Hedwig. I found myself torn between. Yeah, but I've, it's another one of those things where the Broadway recording versus the original recording, where the Broadway recording has better singers, but the original recording is more punk rock. It's like the American Idiot mm. thing. There are some yeah. American Idiot songs that just sound better by Green Day. There's some American Idiot songs that sound better on the Broadway recording. Interesting. Um, and NPH well, a, does a kick-ass job. Well, that's a, a fun musical, and honestly, the plenty of songs just sort of creep into my daily life uh i've seen it so often i mean i don't know how many times that i'll just be sitting there and something will trigger me to just go put on some makeup turn on the eight track i'll take that wig down off the shelf suddenly i'm miss beehive 1963 until i wake up and i turn back to myself i find the same thing and i get so pissed off when nobody knows what I'm talking about, when I go, lift up your hands. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, what? Lift it's up a, your hands. Yeah. It's such a good flick. I love it. Yeah. Nice. Wonderful. I didn't realize it was 20 years old, though. Damn. Mm-hmm. Time flies. Isn't that crazy? Time, time flies. That's me, Mike D. Come on and get some. M-I-K-E right. <laughs> to the D. You come oh. and see me and you're paying a fee. See, you see the theme this week? I'm not singing. I'm rapping. I'm yeah, rapping, rapping. Like the kids rap. I do the rap. Yeah. Jesus, pass the mic already. Pass the mic. Come on, D. <laughs> come on and get some. Okay. So yes, yes, y'all, and, and I'm not gonna stop. Um, I got I got a bunch of fresh shit. A uh, couple quick hits. I guess there's an ad. Uh, Robert England is going to play Freddy Krueger on a Halloween episode of The Goldbergs. What? So mark your calendar, I guess, or something. I love it. He used to hate that role, and now he's just embraced it. He he hung it up too, and yeah. now he's here. He's coming back. Well, you know, whatever. Um, another advertisement. This one's been been going viral. There's a political ad here in Arizona um, where all these people are talking about this this representative Paul Gosar, and they're like, if Paul Gosar gave a crap about Arizona, he wouldn't do this. He wouldn't do that. And then they. At the end of this, the commercial, they cycle back to every talking head in the commercial. And like, I should know. He's my brother. My name is such and so <laughs> oh, Gosar. Right. I read about this. Don't vote for him. <laughs> vote for the other guy. He's not listening to you. And he doesn't have your interests at heart. My name is Tim Gosar. David Gosar. Grace Gosar. Joan Gosar. Gaston Gosar. Jennifer Gosar. Paul Gosar is my brother. My brother. And I endorse Dr. Brill. Dr. Brill wholeheartedly endorse Dr. David Brill. It was like six siblings like, said, don't yeah, do six it. six of them. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so, so that's just fun. Um, I got, okay, first movie. I went and saw Crazy Rich Asians last weekend. Oh, ouch. You know, it was <laughs> fine. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a fan of the rom-com in any form. Uh, so. <laughs> well, here's the thing I think about. So I, I in general, have have sort of fallen by the wayside of pretty much all young people falling in love stories but this one works for me because i am removed enough culturally from all the characters that i don't like see my own kids or their peers and and like make comparisons i just see these fantasy characters in this fantasy setting because it's so hyper real um hyper real meaning uh Elevated reality, not not. Oh, it's very real. Not at all. Neo realism. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's you know 
Well, and I like that it's lifestyles of the rich and Asian. I like that um, this one gets touted as a, a major deal. It's like the first all Asian led cast since like Joy Luck Club, and they're totally mm-hmm. glossing over the fact that it's just a mindless romantic comedy. <laughs> Whereas Joy Luck Club that's was not actually kind of a good thing though, because yeah. think of it this way: if every if every uh, 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 African American film had to be super meaningful. That would mean that it is such an yeah. unusual yeah. thing and okay. such a weird, fucking stupid thing. <laughs> so, so this will eventually lead to the Asian version of Friday or something. Is that what your well, your thesis? I mean, this is this is very much along the lines of this is the new Chinese century, right? Like we're making big blockbuster movies like The Meg or Skyscraper or now this for the Chinese audience more than we are for the American audience, right. the primary target. Although it is an English language film. And Michelle Yeoh is the matriarch, or not even the matriarch, but but the mother that that needs to be impressed. And she is so evil and subtle in everything she does. She's just <laughs> just super polite and disapproving at all times, right? <laughs> and uh, she has this bit where she talks about how um it, she her character is really disdainful of America and American values, and talks about how in China, you know. We build things to last in America. People just focus on themselves, and and so she's just scathing. <laughs> um, it's it's actually a pretty pretty uh, fun little trifle of a movie. It's not the greatest thing ever, but it's better than a lot of rom coms I've seen. Okay, um, bold words. But if you want to get into total trifles, I should talk about the season finale of America's Got Talent. <laughs> oh, with um, the the singing kid, did she make it? Yeah. Well, so that's the thing. So going into the finale, I had a I had an easy top three. There is a woman, Glynis Grace, who you had a top three. <laughs> I did. I knew it was good. I did. Oh. Hey, how, how many seasons has that show been on the air, and they still have not been able to determine whether or not America has talent? Because well, first of all, none of these people were American. Uh, like even the judges. Okay, the judges are two Brits, a Canadian, and a German. Um, but oh, anyway, it's like a, and most of the acts aren't American. That's either, okay. I'm but. getting used to the world looking down at us. <laughs> <laughs> just now, no. <laughs> so just, just I now. had I had some favorites. There was a woman, Glennis Grace, who uh, is, should really be touring in the Broadway show of The Bodyguard because she can nail the Whitney Houston thing. Um, there was uh, Courtney Hadwin, who was the the 14 year old uh, rock singer chick that I was a couple weeks ago uh, and there was this uh, dance troupe called Zucaro from I think they're from Brazil and they were amazing they throw people around the stage really high and, and do gymnastics and stuff and then there was this other guy that was um, was Simon Cowell's pick for the year and he was just being promoted as this saint he's like a nurse in a children's hospital and he's adopted five kids and he's so soulful and he sings these songs about fatherhood and responsibility, and they got Garth Brooks to write him a song for the finale. Uh. <laughs> so um, he and, and Courtney Hadwin were widely seen to be like the top two, and they were actually numbers five and six, and they kicked Courtney Hadwin off the show before they even kicked that guy off the show. And, then they, and the whole audience was like booing and gasping. Um, so 
Uh, the punchline is that 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 guy uh, got arrested the following night for a domestic in his hotel room in L.A. Okay, now I care. Thousand dollars bail. <laughs> I knew you would care about that. <laughs> Until you That's go cool. Hollywood Babylon, Eric nice. doesn't care. Yeah, yeah. But um, the actual winner was this really great close-up magician called Shin Lim. He's got a big YouTube following, and he's he's going to do fine. But yeah, watching all of the best people get voted off the show way faster than everybody expected, I was having flashbacks of the Trump election all over again. Like, <laughs> exactly. I hate you, America. You vote for stupid things. <laughs> well, <laughs> which leads into my last bit of fresh shit, which was Fahrenheit eleven nine. Ah, uh, the Michael Moore. Okay, the new Michael Moore film, it- Fahrenheit eleven nine. Went and saw that last night. Yeah. Okay. And it starts by just uh, recreating that whole election night nightmare for you in, in vivid. Yeah, this, yeah, the stuff I read, it, it starts off strong and then it sort of uh, loses the thread somewhere. Well, I mean, it's a polemic. It's a Michael Moore polemic, which means that when he puts himself I- in the center of the story, it gets worse. Um, but really, this is not a Trump movie. This is a movie about Michael Moore condemning everyone. <laughs> this is Michael Moore condemning Trump. It's Michael Moore condemning Obama, Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton, the DCCC, the DNC, uh, and especially the governor of Michigan. He draws a lot of parallels between what's been going on, of course, in Flint, Michigan, which is his hometown, yeah. and the way they've been calling emergencies to undo the democratically elected uh, representatives in, in various cities in Michigan. And he's like, guys, there's no reason why Trump couldn't do the same thing. Like, they got away with it in Flint. And even Obama uh, let them. You know, Obama came to Flint and then, like, literally drank the water or sipped it kind of, sort of, in front of everybody when they thought he was going to declare a federal emergency and he just kind of left them out to dry. So and, and then he had was, then he had the military blow up sections of Flint. Yeah, and there's footage of that, and yeah. it's fucked up. I didn't even know. Yeah, the army does target practice for urban warfare on Flint, Michigan, and they didn't tell anybody who lived there it was going to happen. <laughs> so they thought it was. So a they're just watching helicopters <laughs> and tanks roll in and gunfire all night, and they're freaking out, and bombs are going off. Um. So usually, when you see one of these things, you get like the. But here's how we're going to turn it around, rah-rah, at the end. There is none of that. Fahrenheit 11.9 ends with, the country is fucked, and we need to replace, like, everything, and I don't even know where to start. Good luck. I hope we don't get screwed, people. The end. You know, it's, it's bleak. Yeah. So... Yay! <laughs> I'm I'm more Thanks. and more of the mind that uh, I I guess I'm getting coming around to Chris's way of thinking, which is, uh, well, uh, I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep voting sanely, but I yeah. I, I I can't I, I can't give a shit anymore. Basically, what it comes down to is. Uh, we're Americans and we hate each other. We really hate each other, and we want everyone else to shut up. You know. Well, yeah, well, the thing that the thing that I was realizing coming off of this and and I'm not seeing anybody say this in the media or the press or in the liberal blogs or anywhere, but you know, we're seeing the ascendancy of these right-wing movements where we saw them rising even in Scandinavian countries and across Europe and Brexit. And, you know, it's it's all being driven by this sort of Steve Bannon, hey, the immigrants, hey, the refugees, um nationalist movements 
And I don't see anybody drawing a direct line, and I think it's there to be drawn, between the war in Iraq and all of this shit. Like, where do you think those refugees are coming from? We went in and tore up the Middle East, and there are refugees now. Yeah. Well, not only that, it's all of the shenanigans that we've been doing for almost a century or more in Central and South America. So we stir the pot there. That drives everybody up uh, to cross the border. And then, you know, you've got another set of brown people to despise because they're supposedly criminals when they're not. So it's, it's nothing new. So, so this is your light, fun, frothy popca- podcast <laughs> about pop culture and movies and stuff. Chris, Chris, you got any fresh shit for us? Uh, wait, wait, wait. Because you were talking about the, the political ads in, in Phoenix, I just, uh, yeah. I, I haven't been able to get this out of my head. Kristen Cinema doesn't like puppies. Puppies are <laughs> lovely and fun. And Kristen Cinema, she's come out against puppies. Kristen Cinema, bad for puppies, bad for Arizona. I don't. I don't see any political ads because I've cut the cord on all that. But well, I, I can totally imagine how Arizonans are, you know, being how, how they're vilifying the admitted bisexual in Arizona. Yeah. Well, it, oh, no, it's all it's all every Democrat um, wants open borders and wants the Mexicans to come rape and kill. Yeah, you. That's, those are the ads that are running. Well, the the yeah. big one here in Texas is uh, Ted Cruz, who's up for re-election. Uh, he was his, in a band. Yeah. And so his, his opponent is a third, third term congressman from El Paso, Beto O'Rourke, who's a white dude, but he's grown up in El Paso and his nickname is Beto. And so Ted Cruz is trying to play the culture war by, you know, saying, well, where does he get that name? So that's one of the big talking points now. It's like, oh, it sounds like he's just trying to get the Hispanic vote but saying he's Hispanic blah 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 but you know he's got Kinda pictures like of when he was Cruz, like who was, who wasn't born with the last name Cruz yeah, well who like was born Raphael and came from Canada and he's trying to tout his Americanness <laughs> yeah. and then he's you know spreading all these ridiculous Twitter quote unquote jokes about how uh, because there were PETA protesters at one of his rallies in support of O'Rourke that somehow that is ergo going to be if Beto gets elected, he's going to outlaw barbecue in Texas, and we just can't have that. Winky, oh winky, nug, nug. And it's like, so none of none of Cruz's stuff has any substance. It's all just, oh, that guy over there, he's a fucking socialist, and he hates God, and he wants to give the border over to Mexico, blah, 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 blah. And so that's the, the tenor of that side. Whereas Beto, on the other hand, is just, he's not really going after Cruz at all. He's just, you know, whatever, this is... This is something that we all have to do together. Let's all come to the table and talk about it. And it's way more substantive, but they're trying to paint him as some sort of uh, noob who doesn't know what the hell he's doing. But he's again, he's been a congressman in El Paso for like three terms. So it's not like this guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Uh, so yeah. they keep lobbing all these culture war grenades to get all the pearl clutchers going. Uh, but ben they had their Rourke likes to drink pumpkin spice lattes. Yeah, and he pumpkin used to be spice lattes are really, <laughs> yeah. really five years ago. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Better O'Rourke. Yeah, he's too basic for Texas. Well, he's saying yeah, he wants to turn Texas into <laughs> California. You know, with all of their whatever. And uh, Beto used to be in a punk band in El Paso. Uh, I guess he played and, with. I love how they said that. Like that would be a bad thing. Yeah. And the whole world goes. Well, it sounds pretty hip, actually. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, it's good. Well, and in their first debate that happened on Friday, this was the best part: is they were sort of going after each other, and 
uh, Beto was talking about all of the corporate interests that Cruz is in bed with and this and that. And basically, he literally dropped this in the middle of the debate. He just said, and so he's working for the clampdown. He fucking referenced the clash in a debate, and everybody lost their shit. They're going, I want this guy for my fucking senator, man. <laughs> Fuck Cruz. Fuck him. I want to make sure that, again, we're not giving away to corporations and special interests. That's what That's Senator Cruz would do, thanks to the contributions that he's received from those political action committees. He's working for the clampdown and the corporations and the special interests. He's not working for the people of Texas. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's kind of shaping up. And so it was like a, a lean Republican to now it's sort of moving over into toss-up category. So everybody's kind of getting crazy. Wait a minute. That was supposed to be my trump card to, to, to get this guy. <laughs> yeah. What? He's using the punk rock. Yeah. Hey. Using the punk rock. Uh, I am Ted, Ted Cruz. Cruz and I, I, I don't have I a personality. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I gave that up several years ago. Yeah. <laughs> so I could be president. And how come people don't like me? Yeah. People have never liked me in college. They said, Go away. I, yeah. <laughs> I I really think someone should offer Ted Cruz the role of the penguin in a Batman movie. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Only he doesn't have enough personality for it. That's the problem. I think, I, it's he, okay he looks the part. Because I think, I think uh, uh, Bill Maher this week had said that... Um, this isn't the look of like a serious politician. This is the look of someone who has poison that squirts out of the end of his umbrella. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Funny. He's a douchebag, and uh, I didn't vote for him before, and I'm sure shit not going to vote for him now. So, uh, so, so that's any the, any fun fresh shit. <laughs> uh, I did stumble across this, and I thought of you guys, and I don't know if you've seen it because I don't know how long it's been out there, but on Amazon Prime. Uh, Apparently, they've done, I don't know if it's going to be a series or if they just did this as a pilot thing. They did a movie remake, sort of a tongue-in-cheek, winky-winky, of uh, Electra Woman and Dinah Girl. And it's out. Yeah, and it's out. Have no fear, Los Angeles. Your city just got a whole lot safer. Electra Woman and Dinah Girl have arrived. So go find the trailer. It's got, uh, I don't know who the fuck is in it. One of these YouTubers, Hannah Hart, uh, I guess did some, I remember from doing some stuff for Doctor Who uh, specials on BBC America, <laughs> uh, but she's Dinah Girl. And basically they just, idea. they do it, they do it really jokey, uh, kind of a kick-ass sort of vibe to it because they, they move from Akron, Ohio to LA and then they get sort of uh, shunned by other vigilantes. Uh, Etc. Yeah. Uh, but look, but look up the trailer and just see if it's something you want to try because we've had our Sid Marty Croft talks before, and I know this was a big one for you guys. Was yeah, Electro yeah, Woman and Dying Girl? Because I like you know the story. Or yeah. The, anyway, well, this they do it really, uh, really goofy. Uh, you know, with swearing and and all kinds of fun stuff. So uh, maybe that'll work for wow. you. Wow. Uh, hey, you know, on that note, the Captain Marvel preview dropped this week. Anybody see it? I did. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it looks pretty awesome. As as Nancy, but she's like, uh, people been saying it looks really horrible and flat. I'm like, well, that just means it'll be a good movie. That's the rubric. Yeah. So I think we're okay. Yeah. Uh, no, I thought it looked fine. Uh, like a weird, like they're very obsessed with de-aging their characters. I think we touched on this before, but I hadn't really seen anything with Sam Jackson until the trailer. And I'm like, holy shit, he looks just like Jules. <laughs> I don't think they de-aged him. Black don't crack. 
Oh. <laughs> they also did Clark Gregg. Um, That's true. Colson. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, but so, yeah, yeah. I, no, I mean, it looks good, and 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 you know, there's a lot of people who are really pulling for it just because um, representation. You know, there hasn't been a headlining female superhero in the Marvel universe. No. Nope. So, Plus Brie Larson. Yeah, that's, that's, that's why good. I'm pulling for it. <laughs> oh. Get it? I'm talking about my dick. Okay. Uh, <laughs> way to undermine the point. Good wow. job, Eric. Uh, so this has been a fresh shit full of highbrow and lowbrow. And my dick. <laughs> of course, the booze helps. So, welcome to the show proper. Uh, thanks for sticking with us. Uh, what are we doing this week? Proper. <laughs> oh, we're doing uh, 1994. Beware the Savage Door of 1994. Boom. Uh, well, it's this. I think this is a good one for us because we tend to be rooted uh, in the 80s somehow uh, because that was our decade of uh, whatever. That we kind of I think we got in. a lot of early '90s. In we us. were young enough to think that the world was still uh, a good place, and yeah. we got that through movies. And yeah. then we grew up and saw the world and realized we were fucked. Well, for me, it's uh, I never think about movies from the '90s in terms of the year they were released. Whereas the '80s, that's pretty much very cemented because it's a whole different mm. absorption of the material. So I thought, well, let's let's just throw a dart at the board and let's pick a number, which is how I arrived at '94. And you guys said sure, and then I think all of us started on our own looking at the list of movies that came out that year. And I was like, holy shit! There are a lot of movies that are just considered classics yeah. now well, that I had a lot of yeah. I'm like. How the fuck did I not put all that into the 94 bag and go, yeah, oh, 94, totally. Uh, 94 is like the height of the sort of Miramax takeover of Hollywood. That was sort of, yeah, where they, they really hit the stride and, uh, and made headwind. Uh, yeah. But to set the stage, so just to, to kind of refresh your guys' uh, collective memory. So 94, that was the year that OJ drove the white Bronco down the highway. Mm-hmm. So that it was, was the year I moved to California. Yeah. Did you move on that day? Was the traffic bad? Uh, no, but I moved uh, a little bit after. Okay, the white Bronco, <laughs> and then, and then a couple uh, weeks after, and then that was also the year that the World Series was officially canceled due to a work stoppage, and it was the first time that it wouldn't wasn't played in since 1904. So in like and I really years. cared about that too. Well, it's a big that deal for me exceedingly. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying I yeah. don't re- I don't watch sports. I cared so much I had no idea that happened. Yeah, I didn't either. I was just looking up facts to kind of throw at you. And then oh, I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't berating the fact. Don't get me wrong. I was oh, yeah, just yeah. talking I shit gotcha. about sports. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Sports. And then it was also the year that the midterms happened and it was the first time in 40 years that the GOP got control of both houses of Congress and Newt Gingrich became speaker. Uh, and which led ultimately better. to yeah led to the uh, the impeachment of Bill Clinton for getting a BJ, and we all know how that turned out. So uh, that's where we were culturally. Uh, TV wise, uh, just to let you know, Party of Five, Friends, and ER all made their debuts that year. So that hopefully will set the uh, hmm. the time for you. Um, Party so, of Five, a show people like know of anymore. I thought that was sort of the my so called life of of. You know. Yeah, I don't know. I was just looking for shows that I even pseudo recognize the title. Oh, okay. Of. I, I have a hard time thinking of ER or Friends as a 
new show. Yeah. Right? Like, they were just kind of omnipresent forever. Yeah. 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 So The Simpsons. Yeah. But that was the year they started. George Clooney in that Caesar cut. Remember that? Like, before he was, you know, Batman? Yeah. We all do. We all do. Uh, And then, Brian, can you tell me what the number one song of the year was? Do you know? Oh, God. In 94? Yeah. I'll bet it was a Mariah Carey. Oh, uh, nope, no. Nope. I think it was Smells Like Teen Spirit. No. But that might have been 93. Uh, I don't know. Ace maybe of, even 92. Ace of Bass had three top 10 hits for the year. Uh, the top one being The Sign. So Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I saw The Sign. <laughs> yeah, mom I'm off saw by the a sign. couple years on the grunge thing. Sorry. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, the big ones. So uh, Lisa Loeb did stay. Uh, Collective Soul had Shine. Uh, that was when 10,000 Maniacs made their resurgence with the live version of Because of the Night from MTV. So, mm. And then the Cranberries asked us, do you have to let it linger? Uh, so there's we your culture. Asked, did you have to be the singer? <laughs> did you have to be the singer? Do you have to? So there's your... your they, they discovered how she died. This isn't a joke. They, they, the, the autopsy came out and she died because she was high in the bathtub and she drowned. She, like, passed out in the tub full of water and glugged. Yeah. Boo. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Thanks for that. So, there you go. There's your, your culture for the year. Do you feel like you're in 94 now? Are you in the mindset? Mm, a little bit more. Okay. Good. So I felt like I was in 94 when I was watching the Jesus and Mary chain last week. <laughs> yeah, that's one way. It wasn't automatic was sort of around that time. Uh, well... Did you guys happen to look at uh, the full extensive domestic box office releases for the year? Or did you just sort of randomly? I did. I okay. went down the list and picked out a few that I, that I, you had asked us to pick like five movies. Yeah, I was thinking, yeah, uh, we would, we would just basically each pick five and then kind of cross-reference and see if there's any uh, overlap. Right, so how do you want to do that? Do you want to read the lists and then talk about specific movies or what do you want to do? Well, let's, uh, let's roll through the top 10 first. Uh, of the year, and then we can each do our uh, top fives and see where we are on that. Uh, right. I'm, I'm guessing Eric is not going to be anywhere near uh, the the both of us because he's because <laughs> he's an elitist prick. I'm all yeah. over the place on 94. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, so the top ten. Do we want to go from ten to one or one to ten? Sure. Yeah, Just count them down. So number ten, uh, Pulp Fiction, of course, which. To my thinking, nah. is probably the most influential movie uh, from the year because that just spewed out into infinity as far as what people wanted to do with guns and storytelling. Um, sure. And then number nine was The Mask with uh, Jim Carrey. Mm-hmm. Uh, not 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 the one with Eric Stoltz. No, <laughs> I wanted Which to make that very clear. <laughs> That would yeah, Eric stole the mask too. Yeah. Uh, and then number eight was Speed with Keanu. Uh which I'm gonna be honest, I hated when it came out, but over time I have sort of reassessed it and it's just a big dumb fun ride. Yeah, and I don't it's mind it so uh I die hard at fifty five miles an hour. Well yeah, and Yandabont, I guess that's his name, Jandabont. He was the DP on Die Hard. Director of photography, and this was his uh, feature debut, I guess. Uh, but it's tight; it's very tight, and so that's I just I've reassessed it, and I no longer hate it, which I was surprised yeah. at. Uh, number seven. It's easy to hate because of the cast. Yeah, 
It's like, you have a hair trigger pointed at your head, asshole. <laughs> so, uh, number seven was Harrison Ford's last go as Jack Ryan, clear and present danger. Which was on my list. I've, it's a yeah. potential candidate. Uh, so we can get into that. Uh, all I'm going to say about that one off the, the cuff is that uh, I've also seen Sicario, and it's a much better movie. So yeah, yeah. think about that. Uh, number six, uh, another Jim Carrey, because he had a big year, uh, <laughs> Dumb and Dumber, which I fucking hate. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I hate I this movie. I never saw it. I good, didn't good for ever you. want to. Good for you. I never saw it all the way through because it'd be on cable and i go, oh, this is the movie I'm supposed to like. And i go, yeah. I went and saw this in the theater with uh, our buddy Toby uh, because it was just the big comedy of the day. And we were both so appalled at how awful it was that we felt the palate cleanse was in order. So we turned around and went and saw uh, The Madness of King George on the ah, same day. That was <laughs> good. Kind of clear There's our palate. a double feature for you. <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, Dumb and Dumber, no. Uh, number five, The Flintstones with John Goodman. Oh, wow. And Rick Moranis and Rick his Moranis. Rubble. Yeah. And then uh, for some strange reason, they did Rosie O'Donnell as Betty Rubble. I just And Kyle MacLachlan was in it. It was basically about uh, embezzlement or something. I don't know. I saw it in the Dollar Theaters and fell asleep. <laughs> Honestly. Uh, number four was the Santa Claus, the only one on this list that I haven't seen in the top ten. Ooh, I also have not seen that because have you seen the premise or anything about it? <laughs> yeah, why and, would you see it? And are you familiar with Tim Allen's work? Uh, yeah, that's no what th- that's what made me go now. Yeah. No. So, no, so no, none yeah. of us have seen the Santa Claus. No. Okay. Good. I smell a Christmas episode coming though. <laughs> I smell something. Uh, number three, uh, True Lies. With Arnold. Has, uh, has aged both better and worse. Yeah. Uh, depending on your perspective. We can maybe get into this one later, because I, I kind of have a love-hate thing with True Lies. Cause it's it's uh, got the collective sins of James Cameron, but yeah. it's yeah at the same time, it looks pretty. It's like, yeah. this is a guy who should be designing video games, not making uh, movies. Yeah. And his set pieces are amazing, but it's just the long, talky, not funny, draggy parts between the set pieces that really annoy me. So it's well, an, it's uh, also very misogynist and very racist. Well, yeah, okay, that problem. that too, sure. Uh, but it's based on a French film, so what do you expect? Um, so yeah, number two is uh, the Lion King, which I'm okay. I'm, yeah. have, have have you seen that one, Eric? I have. Okay, so we all we Everyone's all know the Lion King. Seen the Lion King. Hey, we've it's, all seen. It's, it's a Disney cartoon. You yeah. know, it's there's the Disney cartoons where Robin Williams makes them interesting, and then there's the other ones. That's pretty yeah. much it. Well, I think we've all seen Hamlet, and we wanted to see it done with lions, and uh, mm. it succeeds admirably for that. So that's all I'm going to say about it. I don't really care about it one way or the other, honestly. Uh, so. And well, I actually Broderick. think that we will take the suggestion to do a Disney Renaissance movie yeah. at some point, <laughs> well, show at some point. We can hit the Lion King when we come there. Yeah, and Matthew and Broderick does not save this particular production with wine reads like "I knew she wouldn't get pregnant because I was wearing two pairs of socks." <laughs> <laughs> uh, which brings us to the number one movie of the year and the Oscar winner, uh, Forrest Gump. Uh, yeah, that was that was insane. 
Uh, that's just me? it's just a giant wet kiss to the baby boomers is really all that thing is and uh yeah. it totally Best glosses film. over all of the horrible history of america of the last yeah. 50 years and turns it into just the travelogue of this lovely cullable idiot uh yeah. i don't really know where to go with gump uh i don't like it no no, I was mad when we came out of it. Just like, really? Really? <laughs> Something bit me. Yeah. Like, I was, at that point, I had been so beaten down by all the baby boomer nostalgia that I was, I just kind of, you know, accepted it and, like, just kind of let it roll over me. Yeah. But, uh, it's but just, yeah, in retrospect, really, guys? Well, I mean, it's it's quotable, and that's another big cultural one for the year. Because it, it pervaded everything. Life is like a box of chocolates. I mean, people walk around doing that bullshit. Uh, and Jenny. And run, Forrest, run. So I'm they the had dumbest it all. guy in America. And somehow I did not get screwed over the way nearly everyone else in this country did. I made out rich, in fact. <laughs> well, by maybe being that's the dumbass. Maybe that's the, the subtext is that you just. Hey. Uh, yeah. That gets to my personal slogan, which is the less I know, the happier I am. <laughs> well, yeah. maybe there is a Zen th- uh, lesson in Forrest Gump. I don't know. Yeah. You've been gumped. That should be a game show. He's gump. He's gump. He's gump. What's in his head? Uh, but the only thing I can say about uh, Gump, my wife, God bless her, anytime it's on TV and we scan past it and she sees Gary Sinise, she's like, is that Captain Dan? Like it's not Captain Dan, he's Lieutenant Dan. She's like, I don't care, I don't care at all. Keep changing it. So we Chris would on. like to take this moment to correct his wife when she can't defend herself. Thank you. <laughs> no, she just says keep moving. Uh, so you can, yeah. it's easy to remember if you remember that it sounds funnier to say Lieutenant Dan, Lieutenant, Lieutenant Dan. Dan. He got no see, legs, Lieutenant Captain Dan. Dane, it doesn't sound quite as. Uh, so, so there's your top ten. Uh, not right. not an auspicious year uh, by most accounts. Uh, retrospectively, there were some winners. Yeah, but uh, some of my favorites did not really make the the top ten. So, uh, who has a top five? I have like a top seven. I didn't get it down That'll, to five. That's I can fine. Try to edit out a nah, couple. Nah, just just read them. Okay, so the two I would have edited out. Uh, Ed Wood came out that year. <gasps> I had that as an alternate as well. Bravo. Yeah. And then <laughs> um I I loved this movie at the time, but I haven't seen it since then, so I don't I can't say much about it, which is Swimming with Sharks. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Kevin it's, Spacey. It's movie. tough given uh where Spacey is now, knowing what we know now. because mm-hmm. uh, he is such an awful human being in that movie. Awful. But imagine like watching it now, knowing what you know about Kevin Spacey. Now, doesn't that kind of get <laughs> an guess, extra yeah, bite? I guess. Uh, but does it he might. does he try to bugger Frank Wally? I don't know. Does it help? <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. So those would be my two um, alternates. Um, okay. I did mention Clear and Present Danger. You did uh, because at the time I had been reading all the Tom Clancy books, and so I was super excited for that movie until I saw it. Um, it seems like it's not, it, I've never read the Clancy stuff, but it seems like it would not be a good adaptation. We could get into that. It's, a, it's an exceptionally poor adaptation. Okay, okay, yeah. so it's not just um, me. Okay. Clerks was that year. That was a big one for me, just because it's the right age, and I was working in a video store when it came out. Uh, it's a very shaggy movie, uh, but it has not held up. 
And I'm not even supposed to be here today. That <laughs> yeah. still goes through my head some days at work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, I always think of the Death Star speech. I think that that I, I don't like that movie because it's just so, I don't know, forced, well, it's, dumb. It's, but, but it's got like little moments in there, like the, the discussion of the contractors working on the Death Star. Yeah. All right, so they bring in independent contractors. Why are you so upset at its destruction? All those innocent contractors brought in to do the job were killed. Casualties of a war they had nothing to do with. All right, look, you're a roofer. Some juicy government contract comes your way. You got a wife and kids to two-story in suburbia. This is a government contract, which means all sorts of benefits. Along come these left-wing militants and blast everything within a three-mile radius with their lasers. You didn't ask for that. You have no personal politics. You're just trying to scrape out a living. It's, I mean, it has moments, and it really hit a lot of uh, notes for me where I was at the time. But well, you it's were just a, not. You wanted to be a filmmaker, and, and Kevin Smith, if nothing else, Kevin Smith and Tarantino in that year really sort of shone a light and said, hey, yeah. you could do it. You could actually be a filmmaker. Yeah, you know, which so is that, I think all that, a lie. That matters. It's all a lie. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so three more. I don't necessarily um, know that there's much to talk about on this one or maybe a different episode, but Star Trek Generations. Came I out knew. I was wondering when it was going to come up. <laughs> <laughs> I totally forgot that that year was when it came out, but didn't the show end? Uh, that they spring the show in order to move the next generation yeah. into films and yeah it was really obvious that they did not give this movie the time <laughs> it needed to well the whole point so, of that movie was to destroy the enterprise set so they could have like a more movie worthy ship which is genius honestly if you're right down to it well, and i also think the point of that movie was to kill kirk on screen so shatner would go away didn't yeah, he come but. back though? Wasn't there like a like a time rift, and then he was back at the end fighting alongside Picard? Oh, that's but yeah, but then then he that's dies in the movie. Yeah, yeah, he dies in the future because he he does that. And and um, Mal- Malcolm McDowell is the bad guy, right? Just doing his standard Malcolm McDowell baddie. Yeah, thing. yeah. They say that time is the fire in which we burn. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's Malcolm McDowell. I mean, it's no Star Trek nemesis, but that's just me. Oh, okay? oh, <laughs> oh, anger. Um, uh, and then uh, to top two probably this one I don't know if it again I haven't seen it in a long time but Fear of a Black Hat came out in 94 oh yeah I loved that I loved it oh, at the time man. it doesn't resonate now uh, it's very obvious that it's a Spinal Tap ripoff uh, when you watch yeah. it now and I keep getting like bits of it confused with CB4 yeah, well, that was the thing. CB4 <laughs> exactly. came out like a month later, yeah. and I liked Black Hat better. Me too. Grandma said to kick your ass. I still, I still start singing. Grandma said to kick your ass to people, and they're like, "What are you doing?" Power pack my TNT when I really, really rock to get no relief from the barrage of bombs I'm dropping on your head, and the ammo ain't stopping. Pack stack tracks that ain't ever whack, and I jack suckers. So it's not a game with the attack you so we I could just bitch slap you. I'm gonna well it's still fun so for people that don't know it because it, it I think it made like 200 grand or something nobody saw it yeah. in the theater uh, except us I think but it's it's basically take the idea of a Spinal Tap music mockumentary and then overlaying it onto an up and coming rap group that sort of borrows heavily from 
uh, NWA. The history, the history and, of like every yeah, all rap of the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was the beauty of it. And so it's yeah, it hits all of the the high notes culture wise. Because um, then you you have the group Splinter and go off to do their acting uh, and side projects and stuff. And then I they love how we're dancing. You can't say the name of the group because yeah. it's N words with hats. Yeah, NWH. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's it's fun. My favorite bit, though, in that whole movie is when you get the DJ guy doing his spinoff project and then they just take a crack at PM Dawn. And he's oh, like, I'm oh. just a human. I'm just a oh, human. Oh, yes. You are just like me. I'm just a human. I am just like you. I'm just a human. We all stand up to the beat. I'm just a human. Just a human being. When I do do, is my shit not brown? It's a universal thing. We all flush it down. When you wipe, do you look at the tissue? Most folks do it ain't even an issue. I'm just a human. So yeah, it's <laughs> it's, it's so good. Uh, yeah, definitely a gem. Go find Fear of a Black Hat yeah, if you if you want to have some fun with the early history of hip hop. Well, I'll tell you, it's on uh, Amazon Prime if you have that. So, and then I think my real number one for the year has to be the Hudsucker Proxy. Oh, you're killing me. You're killing me, Smalls. Why, am I taking all your list away? No, I fucking hate that movie. It was so disappointing. Really? <laughs> yeah, really? I, that's like my How least so favorite. I? Uh, I just did not buy the conceit. I just, it was too, too Capra. Uh, they oh. didn't, they just didn't thrill me with any of it. I didn't care the about Coen any Brothers of it. Coen Brothers fairy tale. It's, I love uh, it. Uh, you just, know, for kids. Yeah. <laughs> I think maybe it's because Joel Silver produced it, so just don't. But I just, I, I, uh, it just rubs yeah. me the wrong way. Because they, they were coming off of uh, Barton Fink, which I love, and then they went and did yeah. this thing, and I just did not buy into it at all. Let I still me, don't. Let me just say, I was of the same opinion at the time, because I was over the moon for Barton Fink. Uh, I've watched it since then it is really good it really is i mean it, but i had the same reaction with uh no country for old men i despised yeah. that in the theater and i watch it now and i go no i get it and this is okay. awesome well i'll maybe i'll give it a whirl but jennifer jason lee's accent is just always a deal breaker for me in that one she's just she's doing her katherine hepburn yeah it's so perfect so many <sighs> actresses were talking that way in those <sighs> those those smart ass 40s uh, uh, screwballs. Not Rosalind Russell, sir. Not Rosalind Russell. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm getting I, pedantic. I, I couldn't disagree with you more, Chris. I loved it at the time. I love it now. I think it's um, it's a great movie. It's it's always watchable for me. Okay. I remember at the time I had my whole thing of every Joel Silver film has these four things that are the same, which is like <laughs> fights yeah. at night. Uh, 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 rainy streets, helicopters, and people falling from heights. And I, I, I was watching that, and it it covered three of the four. And I was yeah. like, "Well, I'm not going to see a helicopter in this." And then Charles Durning shows up as an angel with a spinning halo. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think that's probably where I just couldn't divest myself. I was just I was very cognizant of the Joel Silver was producing and uh yeah I couldn't escape it. Maybe I'll watch it again. Maybe I'll uh, reassess it. Who knows? Uh I came around Long on speed. Live the HUD. Okay. Yeah. I it's kind of fun to think of like, you know, our favorite filmmakers not at their prime but as they were starting to sort of hit their speed teaming up with the Schlockmeister of the 90s. I yeah. mean, we could do a whole show on uh Joel Silver and his brand of evil. Ooh. Yeah, that's true. 
I hope one of us is writing this down. That's a good list. That's a good list. I didn't have any crossover except for uh, Ed Wood as an alternate. So, uh, interesting. It's funny. I I had Ed Wood as an alternate also. Whoa. We should do a show about Ed Wood sometime. (laughs) (laughs) What's what's your list, Eric? (laughs) (laughs) Um, God, now I... Yeah. Okay, so yeah, you know my 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 alternate list actually was pretty short. It was um, Shawshank, mm-hmm. Shawshank Redemption. Good. Uh, okay. Yeah, Andy couldn't believe that he'd only made the top. He didn't make the top five. <laughs> uh, get busy living or get busy dying. I'd like to tell you that Shawshank made it into the top five, but <laughs> something. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, Ed Wood, of course, okay. as we said. That's. That was just so fun. I remember thinking, okay, this is going to be, you know, Tim Burton being goofy again. And I was like, wow, he's, he's, he's learning. You know, it's like yeah. this is the growth of the filmmaker. It right. kind of died after Mars Attacks, but whatever. Anyway, the ones I remember loving were uh, uh, Madness of King George. Okay. Uh, that was, yeah, yeah. It was like, oh my God, we're getting movies that are actually smart, even if they're not making money. They're getting made, and I well, love that. It's a good double feature with uh, Dumb and Dumber. I'll just tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I mean, it made that. It was in the top 100 for the year. It came in at 93. So yeah, it made right. money. Um, uh, uh, what order to do this in? Okay, I'm just gonna st- I'm gonna stick with the uh, nobody watched these fucking movies list before I go mm. into the ones that people have. Okay. Um, and it looks like a top six actually. I wrote it wrong, so. You know what? I don't have any uh, almost made the list. So I just got a big ass list. Um, Immortal Beloved. Did anybody see Immortal Beloved? Oh yeah, I did not. The the it Ode was, to Joy sequence fucking floors me. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a biopic of sorts of Beethoven using the structure of Citizen Kane. Yeah, where uh, a guy is trying to figure out who the Immortal Beloved he refers to in his notes is. Um, and it's uh it i mean it's sort of hobbled by the fact that it comes across as sort of a poor man's amadeus but it's still oldman's performance is top notch yeah uh, and frankly the idea of structuring it around citizen kane makes no sense because when you figure out what the rosebud is you go who cares i don't even know this person it's a MacGuffin. yeah yeah it's it's yeah Dumb. But yeah, but the um, scene where they're doing Ode to Joy and then he kind of drifts off into his memory and then comes back and everybody's clapping, but they've muted it because this is the time he's done gone completely yeah. deaf. And so it's like one of his masterpieces and he can't even hear it being performed. It's like, yeah. oh, I got all choked up in the theater on that one. It's like, oh, God. Yeah. Oh, There's God. a beautiful part where he is playing, uh, I think, Moonlight Sonata. And he's got his head pressed to the side of the piano while he's playing it because yeah. he can't hear anymore. Yeah, it's wow. Uh, yeah, great movie. Um, Four weddings and a funeral. Okay. Four weddings and a funeral. It's like one of my favorite. It's it's the precursor to Love Actually, only huh. less creepy. You know, I um, I had not seen it in forever and a day. I don't even think I'd seen the whole thing all the way through. And I did watch it this week, uh, and it was good. I gotta yeah, tell you, Hugh Grant's big star-making turn, right? Yeah, like, this was the one that everybody became aware of him. Yeah, this yeah. is the busted him wide, and it also saved the English film industry. Apparently, they were not doing well until this thing went yeah. global. the the only The only thing bad about it is, um, uh, uh, what's her name, McDowell? Is it Andy McDowell? Um, 
Andy McDowell, who's just useless, who's like seven different kinds of useless. Um, ugh, I hate her, but I love this film. <laughs> yeah, no, so. it's fun, it's fun structurally, and I like that they're the the running gag is that he's late everywhere he goes. Yeah, like consistently late, and that always makes me think of you. Uh, so I always think I I I always uh, I don't know I I if I marry myself to anyone in this movie, it's the rich guy who's like the nice thing about everyone thinking you're stupid is they don't think that you can outsmart them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, love that film. Um, uh, Burnt by the Sun, which was the. Uh, winner of the best foreign film out of Russia about the Stalin period. And did not even know it is a thing. Yeah. You got to go check this out. Yeah. I, I, I it's gotta be available on Amazon, but it's really, it's really beautiful and really sad and really, and there's a whole thing in there with uh ball lightning. <laughs> ball lightning is sort of a metaphor for Stalin and um, yeah, really I, okay, all I'll say is when I went to see this, they uh, they had to interlink the print because so many people showed up for old school people who don't know. That's when you have one print of a film at the movie theater. And so you run it through two projectors so that you can show it in two houses at the same time and make twice as much money because so many people showed up. They had to interlink the print, and at the same time, Braveheart was playing at the same theater, also in two houses, and they didn't get, like, five people to show up, because everybody was there to see Burnt by the Sun. Uh, as for the the sort of commercial, oh boy, yeah, that's right, I love those movies, movies. Um, uh, Natural Born Killers. <sighs> okay. Uh, okay. I... Th- I did not like this movie when it came out, and now I watch it and I go, "Oh yeah, I love this film because it is." <laughs> the, the, the The problem at the time was he was trying to make a statement on culture and violence, and he was doing it by making a really violent film. But the thing is, if you divorce it from the statement, from the the messaging, from the you know from the reason they made it, it's it's really a fun, wacky, violent movie. See, it always came across to me as a middle-aged director trying to make something cool and edgy. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Well, but he'd already but made JFK, same, so you know. Yeah, he he was he was done making anything anybody you know anything <laughs> meaningful. <laughs> yeah, but it's got it's got the best performance of um. <laughs> God, I can't remember Woody another Harrelson? person's name. No, the other one, Julia Rodney. Lewis. Okay. Am I sexy now, fucker? Come on, she was awesome in that. And Rodney Dangerfield, uh, yeah, a pretty good yeah. one too. Oh God, Rodney Dangerfield as the dad in the sitcom version of her life. That the whole thing is just meta and wonderful. I love that movie. Okay. Um, and I hated it at the time. I thought that, you know, I, I was like, oh boy, you know, I, I wonder what the real movie was like that, um, Quentin wrote because it got Oliver stoned and I watch it now and I go, yeah, but Quentin Tarantino probably wouldn't have done anything quite this interesting. He would have been literal about the story and that wouldn't be fun. (laughs) That's true. Okay. Um, so it's kind of a fever dream of violence is really, yeah. Yeah, okay. and what's not to love about that? Um, 
And my my winner, my favorite, it's funny, of all the heady films, this is my favorite for the year, The Professional. Okay, that's my top pick as well. Surprise, surprise. The Professional is one of just, it's probably the only Hitman movie anyone should be forced to see, because all of them are boring. I'm tired of Hitmen in movies, but Leon was just this lovable, you know, dunce who killed people, and... And the well, way they shoot the last twenty minutes is so just no. It's no, no action movies can hold a candle to this. Well, and I and think the, they've all been influenced by it. The amazing thing about it too is that uh, Basson was prepping Fifth Element, uh, and I guess uh, Bruce Willis had to delay because of some other project, so he had this gap, and so he mm-hmm. wrote The Professional in like thirty days and shot it in ninety. Uh, to put it out was sort of like his passion project, yeah. Because uh, it's the basically Leon is the the cleaner from La Femme Nikita, and he thought, well, I'll, I I like that character. I'll expand yeah. it out, and so he made this, this movie centered around that. Yeah, the story is of a hitman who kind of lives a non-life. He just sits in his uh, room and drinks milk, and uh, one day some drug, uh, well, without giving it away, some 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 bad cops come and kill this whole family and the daughter who is help me out natalie portman natalie portman, natalie portman. Like 14 or 12 or yeah something. She's like, yeah, yeah 13, much too young to be hot and so if you watch this and you think she's hot there's something the fuck wrong with you because she's too young <laughs> well uh, they they toned the down time, a lot they of give that. her a choker necklace and anytime i see those you know i go but so it was a little disturbing well they, they toned down a lot of it at the request of her parents uh yeah so Bason was gonna do a lot more uh, yeah, and they, good, test, they I, tested it in, in America, and people were, like, giggling nervously. Uh, so it didn't go over well. It sort of pulled them out of the story, so they had to get, do some shuffling and cut a lot of that stuff out. Well, what they inferred made me think, I sure hope her parents are on the set for this, because this is <laughs> yeah. not good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so, sh- so he takes her in uh, and teaches her how to be a hitman but that's the thing they the the one thing i don't like i didn't like about this movie was they didn't go the full nine yards with that because i loved the idea that by the end there's this you know 14 year old who nobody sees coming who can kill you uh yeah but now i think yeah that wouldn't have made any sense that that, yeah but i I like that oldman gets to chew a crap ton of scenery from the get-go like to Mm. get in the mood for killing he does the the ritual with the the box of narcotics and he you know, does the, the pill where he cracks his neck to the side to let it kind of take over. Uh, and at, and at he the just time, goes ballistic. I, there's, a, there's, there's the clip where he's uh, uh, humming or singing, I guess you might say, uh, Beethoven. Yeah. Because this is the same year as Immortal Beloved. And he, he has this, this, this hilariously stupid, funny, crazy, psychotic speech. And I remember watching this and going, this is Kruger. This is so Brian. What's going on right now? I can see Brian doing this. I, I'll send you the script and or the, the 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 words, and if you can just repeat it for me, that would be so wonderful. Oh, I think this is also when you first got your beard, and Oldman has a beard, and so I was like, "That's Brian. That's Brian." Uh, it's fun. Well, I haven't seen everybody. the professional, so now I'm like, everybody, oh, everybody. You've never. How could you never see? You need to watch this tweet sweet. Oh, it's probably yeah. Bayson's best movie. You need to see it today. It's probably yeah. his only good movie. 
Uh, I don't know. There's there's Valerian in the city of a thousand planets. So, yeah, you know. don't don't let that Saria. Don't let that Saria. Yeah, but yeah, it's got non sci-fi. And now but, that you say that about the production, I I think you know what that makes sense. It's it, this movie is better because it's tighter because it it doesn't waste time. Yeah, no, it's a it definitely does not have a lot of fat on it, and they do enough character development, so it's it it's not just a shoot 'em up. It's good. So yeah, if anything, Brian, put that on your list. Yes. Okay. Please. So was that you the end of your it. list, Eric? That is the end of my list. Well, All that's right. that's funny because that's that was my top pick. So I will not even bother to tell you that one. Uh, All right. What else you got? So Ed Wood obviously was an alternate, and Pulp Fiction I did as an alternate, just because I loved it at the time, and I don't really now. But at the time, it was a big one. Uh, yeah. So. Whatever. I feel so vindicated. Yeah. Uh, number five, I did put Speed because I absolutely hated that one when it came out as well. Again, just diehard knockoff, blah, blah, blah. But as I've seen it again over time, uh, it's super tight. It's just, there's not a wasted moment in this thing. And it's it's truly a miracle. Uh, I wish John the Bont had uh, made better stuff after that, but he didn't. So, boo. I wish he um, named his son Bon. So there'd be somebody <laughs> bon, in the world named Bond. Bon bon. bon. uh, uh, number four was this was another big one of the year for me uh, that floored me was Spanking the Monkey. It was David O. Russell's debut, uh, which is basically a nice little comedy about a guy that uh, has incestuous sex with his mother. Uh, and he made that movie uh, off of a lie to the NEA. He said he was going to make one kind of movie, and then he yeah. went and made something else, and they <laughs> wanted know, the money it's, back. It's beautiful. Uh, but it's it's not uh, an easy movie to watch, and it's Funny, not something... with that subject matter, it'd be just kind of like you know, but he, a, a light but here's, Saturday afternoon kind of thing. But here's why it's brilliant, is because the way he sets it up is it makes perfect sense in the context of the movie, and you're not surprised at all when it happens. You're really icked out, uh, but then he takes the time to deal with all the fallout that happens after something like that mm. happens, because that's like the biggest taboo of taboos. Uh, I mean, it's just... It, yeah. So... It, it puts me in the corner of the couch if I watch it, which it's only been a couple times because it's rough to sit through. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, it's, you feel purged once it happens because it's just this big emotional, like, ah! Uh, and it's really funny. Uh, really, really darkly funny, but really funny. Um, at number three, I had Shawshank just because uh, of all of the performances it's it's sprawling it can get a little bit treacly uh but as men in prison films go it's uh probably top three i would say um get get busy living get busy dying uh and the fact that it has gained traction over time because it didn't make any money uh so it's good uh number two since we know it's my, also a good precursor for Green Mile, which is the same filmmaker doing another Stephen <laughs> yeah, King yeah. movie. Darabont's and, got a good uh, Stephen King prison thing going. Yeah, yeah, those two and The Mist, right? Yeah, or The Fog or whatever. The Mist, Mist. Uh, and then number two, which could have been my number one, uh, was The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Um, oh yeah, I just just the sight of Terrence Stamp, General Zod, uh, as a <laughs> a, a transgendered uh drag queen uh is just amazing to behold 
and he does not hold, he does not hold back in this role at all. He's just he's he's very abrasive through the entire thing because he's an aging drag queen, so he's just bitter, and, and it's fun to watch. But it star turns from him. Uh, Hugo Weaving is the main character who would go on to be Agent Smith uh, in the Matrix, and Guy Pierce uh, is also the other drag queen. Uh, one of his early roles who would go on to be the baddie in Iron Man 3 and other stuff. So that's always I, fun to I watch. getting that twisted in my head with Tu Wong Fu. Uh, that Tu Wong Fu came out the next year. That was with Swayze okay. and uh, uh, Wesley that Snipes. That was funny yeah. for a whole different reason. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that one is just <laughs> funny. Bad. I, oh my God, that's all. Uh, but Priscilla just, I hereby christen they. I hereby christen this budget Barbie camper. Priscilla, queen of the uh, And then they just basically are traveling from sydney to alice springs in the middle of nowhere where uh, to, are you from uranus <laughs> yeah uh to do a, a cabaret show for a uh a resort there and it's just sort of their misadventures dealing with uh the the outback culture which are basically the australian version of rednecks and uh <laughs> and just the the relationship stuff that they go through it's really it's funny. Another personal journey movie there are a lot of personal journey movies in the 90s yeah it's that well, or we're going to put on a show. That was yeah. another popular conceit. Well, this one is you go through the whole thing and you get like the numbers where they're doing uh, all the disco hits at the time. And then you get Terrence Stamp just going, if we do ABBA one more time, I'm going to fucking punch somebody. <laughs> <It's> just, he's, <laughs> he's just had it. So it's fun. I've said it before and I'll say it again. No more fucking ABBA. You know what I like about that, his performance, if I may, is that he, it's not like glammed up. It, you know, he, he's just, I just am this. I don't, yeah. I don't have time for the trappings. I'm too tired and bored with, you know, how yeah. much fun it is to be a drag queen. It, this is just, this is the gig. And I yeah. think that was actually very forward thinking. Well, it's, it was a good year for Aussie movies because that and Muriel's Wedding came out. Which also has like the abatai. Oh my god! And so How you get Tony. That? You get Tony Collette. My list. Uh, sitting in her room after she's been busted for shoplifting, and she's listening to "Dancing Queen" by ABBA, but she's doing it through tears, and it's the saddest, happiest, funniest thing you'll ever mm. see. It just it hits a lot of buttons. So yeah. yeah, that's on my that's on my top five. Muriel's wedding. My God, that was a heiter, Muriel Jessup. A heiter. Oh, I love that movie so goddamn much. <laughs> so yeah so uh some surprises on there not a lot of crossover i was expecting a couple more crossovers between our lists honestly i was it was too. an eclectic year but 1994 who knew it was so culturally relevant did you and that's a wrap episode 65 in the bag the movies of 1994 Thanks for stopping by. We hope you had fun. Uh, we really hope that you liked what you heard, that you maybe learned something about yourself or about uh, anything, really. If you did like what you hear, send us an email to magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. Again, we would love to hear from you. Uh, you can also catch us over there on the Twitter, at MagHuge. We're on Facebook, Magnificently Huge. Like our pages, follow us, share us, post to us. Uh, we love to hear from folks whenever and wherever possible. Uh, and then you can also hit us up on Instagram. We kind of do that one as well. Then you can hit over to our website, maghuge.com. New shows are always going up. Uh, we've got the archives, old shows, links, sundry. So, yeah, thanks for stopping by. We hope you had fun. 
and uh, catch us next week for another rousing episode of the Magnificently Huge Podcast. Podcast.